Hi, this is Pastor Rob Stone from Duns Creek Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for listening to our weekly audio sermons podcast. Duns Creek Baptist Church is a community alive by grace and known by love. We long to be a force for good here in Putnam County, Florida. You can learn more about us on the web by visiting dunscreekbaptist.org or visit us any Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. for worship. Now please enjoy the message. All right. Well, I am excited, and I'm going to try not to have uh, all kinds of, of issues here. Hopefully, hopefully that'll die down some. I'm trying not to move too much. I'm hoping that if I find the sweet spot, right in the right spot, it won't happen. So, um, well, I'm, I'm Zach Keller. Um, I'm, I guess I'm Pastor Zach at church. I'm the Next Steps Pastor here at Duns Creek, um, which I am super excited about this particular sermon series because it speaks right to what I believe is, is, um, is crucial to the life of the church, is, is helping people to discover what their next step of faith looks like and help them move into that. Um, as Pastor Rob mentioned during the announcements section this afternoon, um, right after the service, immediately following the service, we're going to be having uh, our third next steps classes, um, third iteration that's going to be starting. So you've picked a fantastic Sunday, May 5th. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, it's a great time for us to have a next steps get together and start digging deep into uh, what it means to be a partner member here at Duns Creek and how we can help you take that next step of faith. And as, as we move through this, um, this sermon series that Pastor Rob has put together, last week, uh, Pastor Rob, he, he unpacked for us this truth that we can, we can become uh, a slave to pride, and sometimes pride can get in the way of us taking that next step of faith because we, we have this, you know, I have arrived mentality, you know, I, either because of my age or my success or whatever it is that's working in the background. I feel like I've made it, and if I feel like I've made it, I don't feel like I have anywhere to go. Why would I want to? I'm already here. And so... We believe that, uh, as Pastor Rob unpacked for us last week, that um, this is just an illusion that can, that can come to us. And if you're here this morning, if you woke up and drew breath, we firmly believe that there's a next step of faith for you to take, that, that, that God's not finished working in your life and there's more for you. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about um, belonging and believing. And those are not necessarily the same, the same things. Um, because belief, belief is not something that comes easily. Faith doesn't come naturally. Um, I, I personally, I'm, I'm a lawyer by trade, so I'm all about, you know, show me the evidence. I want to see it. I'm a skeptic by nature. Show me the evidence. Um, and as if that wasn't bad enough, I'm also, I was born in a suburb of St. Louis, Missouri. The state motto is literally the show me state. Like, you have to show me, handhold me, pull me through it, um, belief doesn't come easily for me, and I suspect that it may not come easily for, for others. And so I think, uh, I'm thankful that the scriptures, they, they really, uh, they have so many accounts of these various things that um, the evidence just becomes irrefutable. And, and I, I, I firmly believe that if you dig deep into the word, the evidence becomes irrefutable. And it's, it's uh, the evidence that just, you know, demands the verdict of this is absolute truth. And uh, as Pastor Tim, our youth pastor, would sometimes say, you know, uh, God doesn't make it difficult for us. He puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. You know, we have all the evidence we need right there in Scripture if we dig deep and look into it. And so 
Last week, we were talking about, you know, this issue of pride. Perhaps, you know, you have that I have arrived mentality. I found my spot. I made it here. I finally got here. So what's next? Why would I want to take another step? And this week, we want to dig a little deeper into perhaps a different hindrance to taking that next step. Perhaps it's something that's holding you back that looks a little different. And the only analogy that I could come up with to kind of visualize what this would look like is we've dropped anchor. Something happened. Either a tragedy occurred, a marriage ended, the diagnosis was bad, uh, you know, the person that we cared about, we lost, you know, they died. Um, some tragedy happens, and we drop anchor. And, and we go, God, if you were in this, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And it becomes a hindrance that we keep holding on to that anchor, and it's difficult for us to, to take that next step of faith because we're still stuck in this moment. And so we want to make sure that you know, somewhere along the way in this, this moment we're holding on to this anchor, somewhere along the way our faith in a good and loving God is shaken. And if that hasn't happened to you yet, count yourself very blessed, but it may happen in the future. And when it does, if it does, I hope that you'll, you'll be, you know, remember back to this, hope that the Holy Spirit will, will recall for you this time and this message that we don't have to hold on to that anchor at that moment. We can let it go and still move forward in faith. And so this morning, we're going to open up into, um, we're going to get ready to open up to John chapter 11, which is a passage of scripture that I've been going through a lot recently. And um, I think it's just a powerful section of scripture. Uh, but before we jump into that, I think it's, it's kind of a little bit important that we actually have a little bit of context. And if you've been coming on Wednesday nights, you probably already have this context because you've already been going through the book of John with Pastor Rob where he's been kind of unpacking the scripture. But we know from John chapter 7 that uh, all of the disciples and Jesus were kind of well aware at this point in time that uh, there were those that hated Jesus and it was perhaps dangerous to Jesus and his followers to return to Judea, to return to Jerusalem. And so with that context in mind, we jump into John chapter 11. And this, is, this perhaps is a familiar uh, section of scripture. It was a familiar script, uh, passage of scripture for myself, but as I was digging through it here recently, I found what I believe were, were kind of new truths that were kind of hidden in the subtext, and I really want to bring them to light this morning. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And right here, I kind of want to just take a pause because there's no question to whom this message is being sent. It starts off, Lord, comma, Jesus, we're talking to you. And then immediately after it, it says, he whom you love is ill. So this passage makes it clear for us that there is no doubt that Jesus himself cared for Lazarus. It wasn't that he was just a friend of a friend or an acquaintance or something along those lines. Jesus cared about Lazarus. And then something weird happens. But when the Lord, when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Okay, so 
we're, we're expecting something to happen. I, I believe that even, even uh, the disciples or Mary and Martha, they, they, they had seen Jesus heal people. They were expecting that something could happen. And I feel like that's being brought out here as well because they sent for him. They said, Lord, we know that you can fix this. We're sending for you because he's ill and we need your help. So implicit in the request for help is the acknowledgement that Jesus could heal. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So if it wasn't abundantly cleared by the, by the first part of the scripture where it said, whom you love, now it's being specifically put in there. Again, this is cookies on the bottom shelf. This is evidence. We don't have to question whether or not he loved them because scripture tells us. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he did the most logical thing possible and he stayed for two days longer right where he was. It doesn't make sense to us, but that's what the scripture tells us. It says, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That's hard to understand. But it wouldn't have been hard to understand for the disciples in light of what we learned in John chapter 7. They, you know, perhaps he was, you know, was Jesus afraid? It was dangerous for the disciples. Maybe that's why he was lingering. Maybe this is what he was, you know, wrestling with. But then after the two days, Jesus says, then after he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again, the disciples said to him, they're bringing up the, the logical point, this is perhaps dangerous to us. Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? Why would you do that? I, I get that you, you care about him. But they didn't know that. And Jesus said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And can I confess, I feel like the disciples in a lot of this, subtle doesn't work on me. <laughs> and so the disciples in response, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. And Jesus has to make it plain for them. No, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he just meant that he was taking a rest. He was just sleeping. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. Okay, subtle didn't work. I'll give it to you plain. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Again, this, this doesn't make sense contextually because they recognize that Jesus can heal. They've seen Jesus heal. Uh, Mary and Martha, they sent for him to come because they needed him to come and heal Lazarus. We know Jesus loves Lazarus. And yet when he hits, gets the message, Jesus doesn't leave. And then seemingly after it's too late, Jesus says, Lazarus has died. Now we're going to go into the dangerous, the dangerous place. And Jesus goes on to say, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. So let us go to him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb four days. So he wasn't just a little dead. He was dead, dead. He was dead. And I believe that, uh, that we know specifically that they're putting this in there for us. There can't be any sort of question about, well, was, you know, was he perhaps in some sort of a coma? And they, what did they know about comas back then? This is you know, ancient text. No, he was dead. The Bible tells us he was dead. And to make sure there's no confusion, they said he was dead for four days, buried in a tomb. 
Bethany was near Jerusalem and about two miles off. Uh, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother, Lazarus. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There's no question that Martha has the faith that Jesus could heal. Martha's saying, Jesus, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. You would have healed him. We have faith that that would have happened. Martha goes on to say, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. There's not, there's not an absence of faith on Martha's part. But she's hurt. Understandably so. I mean, she's, she's, her brother has passed away. She, it's raw. It's hurt. But she still has faith in Jesus. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And this is where, you know, Martha interjects where she thinks he's going. She says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's still not appreciating what's about to happen. She, she still doesn't know. She was expecting that if he came earlier, he wouldn't have died. He would have been healed. And she knows that even though he has now died on the last day, according to Scripture, that he would have resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe this? He's asking her. She says to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. That's a powerful declaration. Martha's not lacking faith. She has faith in Jesus. But she's still raw. She doesn't know what to expect. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So we see Martha has expressed this sentiment. That had you been here, he wouldn't have died. That's an expression of faith. You could have healed him. And now we have Mary, her sister, who's also saying the same thing just if you had just been here, Lord, you could have healed him. He wouldn't have died. To me, this is, this is one, of the most, one of the most powerful sections of, of Scripture, in my, in my opinion. Because when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And if you're not much for memorizing scripture, here's a simple one. 
Jesus wept. That's a powerful passage of Scripture in two words because the God of the universe incarnate in man, Jesus Christ, was so moved from the love that he had for Mary and Martha and Lazarus that he wept with them. Full knowing what was about to happen, he still wept with them. They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. Again, the evidence is there. It's irrefutable. The cookies are on the bottom shelf. We saw that she sent saying, Lord, I'm acknowledging that you love him. Lazarus, whom you love, is ill. A few scriptures later, we see that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And here again, even the Jews who are around that are there consoling Mary and Martha, they also say, see how he loved him. See how Jesus loved Lazarus. It's not, it's not the absence of love. It's not an absence of faith in Mary and Martha. It's just the situation playing out. And we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. But they were expectant that Jesus would do something. Mary speaks the same words as Martha. Deeply human words. If you had just been here. And for maybe... For, for, you know, I don't know what the hurts are in the room right now. Maybe, maybe it was that your marriage ended and, and you, you feel the need to cry out to God and say, if you had just been in this, what happened? Or perhaps it's, you know, that there was a diagnosis that was catastrophic and, and you were praying. You said, God, where are you in this? If you had just been here, this wouldn't have happened or they would have been healed or the situation would have changed. we can turn to Scripture and we can see how things play out and for the purpose. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? The critics are already starting to chime in. I thought Jesus could heal people. Why didn't he heal the person that he loved? Then Jesus deeply moved again, still caring for the situation, still caring for Mary and Martha, and still himself caring for Lazarus. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And as if there was any question about the length of time in which Lazarus was ill, we see here in Scripture that Martha is expressing a very real concern. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. For he's been dead. Four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. See, this, this, this is the crux of the matter. Jesus didn't, it's not that he lacked understanding of the situation. It's not that he didn't care about Lazarus. It's not that he didn't care about Mary and Martha. It's not that he, he didn't love them. He was deeply moved. Jesus wept. We know this from Scripture. It's irrefutable evidence that Jesus cared in the situation, yet the situation was still allowed to play out. Why? Because Jesus is getting ready to do something they've not yet seen. 
This is not healing an ill man. And he's giving thanks to the Father for illustrating this so plainly. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. It's not that Jesus didn't care from the beginning. Jesus didn't do the expected miracle of healing the man. They'd already seen that. They already believed that. We know that from the beginning. Lord, he whom you love is ill. Jesus, had you been here, this wouldn't have happened. Those things had already been addressed. They'd already been demonstrated. There was no question in Jesus' power in that moment. So why was Jesus' friend allowed to die? Because it revealed a deeper truth to the glory of God. The result of the miracle is belief. Jesus is thanking God the Father for hearing him. He was thankful that he was not present when Lazarus died. Why? Because he wants to have all the evidence that you need to believe. The miracle is the evidence. It supports the conclusion. Belief. The miracle leads to belief because if you had been here, becomes because you were Jesus was there at the tomb when it was sealed. Jesus was there four days after death and because of it, Jesus thanks the Father and demonstrates why he was sent. Demonstrates who he is. His power over death gives all of us the evidence that we need. Think about how much, how the impact of this story would have been so significantly less if it had merely been another example of Jesus healing someone. The situation happened. It was a difficult situation, but it was ultimately for the glory of God. I don't know what your situation is as, as you came in here today. I don't know what hurts you're dealing with or, or, or perhaps you, you don't have any yet, but you may in the future. And I don't know what those are going to be either. But I can promise you that as you go through life and if you have those hurts or if you get to those hurts, don't hold on to the anchor that's keeping you from taking your next step. Don't hold on to it fervently, refusing to let it go because it's just hindering you, keeping you from moving forward. Moving forward and in, in, in developing that faith in Jesus, moving forward and living that Christ-like situation, that, that Christ-life in your life, don't hold on to the anchor. Don't let it hold you back. But in that situation, choose faith in the middle of the feelings. I don't have to understand why God is doing the things that he's doing. He's God. And I'm just a person. I can't begin to understand him. 
His ways are not my ways. I won't ever understand it. I won't be able to explain it. I can't give you the, the nuts and bolts algebra of why these things happen. But you can choose faith in the middle of a feeling. I said this is a passage of scripture that I've been going through a lot recently. You can be a pastor in a church and still be human and still have these same hurts. You see, a few weeks ago, my wife and I, we were happily expecting our second child. Now we're not. I can't explain that. I can listen to the numbers. I can understand that probabilities are going to happen. But it doesn't change the hurt. It's still raw. But I can choose to believe that somehow it'll be used for the glory of God. I can choose faith in the middle of the feeling. Jesus doesn't condemn the feelings of Mary and Martha. Jesus was moved himself and he wept. And that's been a great comfort to me. Because Jesus died and then he rose again and he's living still. So if he's still living, he's still feeling. And I believe he loves me. So I believe he's moved when I'm moved. And even though I might not understand it, I can praise God that he's being used in the situation. In this particular sermon series, we have to ask ourselves week after week, what's your next step? Is it realizing that you haven't arrived yet because you woke up and there's more steps to be taken? Is it letting go of the anchor of the hurt? If you're in that situation of hurt, let me, let me just tell you that this is a beautiful community of faith. We have deep friendships here. And I encourage anybody that's here perhaps for the first time, perhaps you're not sure what you believe about this Jesus, I want you to know that you can belong here at Dunn's Creek even before you believe you'll be loved. We believe that you're already loved by God, but you will be loved by these people here. And so as we ask you what, what your next step looks like, I ask you, is it, is it too difficult possibly to, to meet with a group of smaller, smaller group of people outside of the church service sometime throughout the week or every other week just to, to open the Bible study, have, meal, have a meal with someone? And just talk about life. We all have those hurts. We all have those things that are gonna that are gonna cause us possibly to have our, our foundations shaken. And when it happens, we don't have to carry it alone. 
We have Jesus, and we have our community of faith around us. Here at Dunn's Creek, we believe in doing two things, and we're going to strive to do them every situation we can, which is we're going to love God and we're going to love people. If you're interested in finding out what that next step looks for you, or if there's anything that I can do to help you take that next step, stick around after the service. I'd love to talk with you back in the living room area, or I'd like to talk with you in the next steps class, get to know you more. Don't wait. Belong here before you believe. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, we thank you for the, the truth of Scripture. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that your Son, Jesus Christ, can be moved in the situation. thank you for the truth that Jesus wept. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray that here in this place that you would just be moving and developing the relationships, Lord. If there's anyone here that is concerned about that next step of faith or, or even just connecting with a group of individuals here, Lord, I pray that you would just comfort them and let them know that this is a safe place. And these are good people. Heavenly Father, we just pray that that Duns Creek would be known as a place where you can belong before you believe. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and the power not just to heal those who are hurting, Lord, not just to heal those that are ailing, Lord, but the power to raise from dead. If death can't hold you or contain you, certainly any of the hurts that we're having won't hold us back. Heavenly Father, we pray for these things in your son's awesome and powerful name.